0: Hello everyone and welcome. It's the program that keeps you up to date and informed on your Houston Texans here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio across the hall from the locker room at NRG Stadium. It's Mark Vandermeer on Texans All Access with the general tonight, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. General, here we go. Week five already and the Texans finally got a win last week heading into the Dallas game. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Mark. I'm pumped about this game. I'm always pumped when the Texans and Cowboys played. I've been that way since... I came to Houston to and started covering the Oilers. And it's always funny to me, you ask players and coaches who are not from Texas if they understand how much this game means to the fans, and they always say yes. But it doesn't mean anywhere near as much as an AFC South game, and it doesn't mean as much as an AFC game in the standings. But I know, and I'm thinking you do too, I know people who insist – I don't, And I believe them. They would rather win this game and lose all the others just to beat the Cowboys than have bragging rights to their Cowboy friends in the Houston
0: area. I think psychologically it is a big game for the fans, the biggest game of the year, there's no doubt. And I feel that too in some ways, but I, I can't agree with the AFC South thing. I mean, you want to win your division get to the playoffs, but this does take on a different light. It's in its own special category. I'm going to go down memory lane with you right now.
1: Okay, wait a minute. Yeah. How how many times on the AFC South opponent have you guys done nine and a half minute videos for your website?
0: Uh, Not too many times.
1: Uh, I'm thinking it's not any.
0: Well, that was also the inaugural game. But what made it so special was not that it was the first game necessarily, although that was so special. It was the
1: Cowboys, and it was the first game. Yeah, and all if of that. they had played the Chiefs in the first game, you wouldn't be doing nine-and-a-half-minute video <laughs> on your website. That's it was, funny. You guys did a great job.
0: Oh, thank you. I
1: told John, and I we promoted it on 610. I've tweeted it two or three times, and if listeners haven't seen it, go on HoustonTexas.com and check it out because I got sad. I got – when I was watching the stuff with the Oilers and then I remember that game, I was covering the NFL. I wasn't covering the Texans. I came over here a lot during the week, but I didn't cover any games. But I was there for that one because – and I spent a lot of time with the Oilers. Bob McNair had a spot for them down in front of his suite – and I would wander in the stadium. I would bump into other ex Oilers players. There were so many, not just ex Oilers, but ex NFL players who came to that game. And and of course there were a lot of Cowboy fans. And and uh, so it was it was such a a great but emotional moment because it was prime time. And I got to tell you, one time when I was covering a Monday night game at New England during my eight years of covering the NFL, which was the greatest job you could ever have. And I put my stuff in the press box. I was in New England, and I wandered around the parking lot. All the fans were partying, having so much fun, and I remembered how it used to be under primetime Monday night games with Love You Blue. And I thought, said to myself, we're never going to have that again in Houston because we're not going to get another team. And then when that game against the Cowboys at primetime was back, I was so excited, and I know – You know, there are thousands and hundreds of thousands of Texans and Houstonians who felt the same way, and then to win it. And then, as Bob McNair said in your video, Jerry Jones told him, he would cried two times in his life, once when his parents got hurt, and number two when he lost that game.
0: I do love that. I do love that quote right there. All right, so five years without professional football before that game. Take me back, though. We Talk about love you blue from time to time, and this is Houston versus Dallas. It's so big. That era, the Oilers played the Cowboys at a Thanksgiving Day game, thirty to
1: twenty four.
0: In da- I mean, here there Texas you are Stadium in Irving, Texas. You're playing them and you win that game. How big was that at the time? Because we don't talk about that one much. But to go up there and that was a good Cowboy team. That, that was, was a, a great, great era,
1: Cowboy team. But that was with Bum Phillips, Earl Campbell, Dan Pastorini, love you blue. And and the Oilers were very popular around the state because of Earl, Heisman Trophy winner for Texas State Championship at John Tyler High School, genuine Texas legend like Davy Crockett and the Alamo. Mm-hmm. And, and so people, even Cowboy fans, like the Oilers. Now, not when they played, but the, when the Oilers won that game, it's the most I've ever seen fans uh the a team from Houston cut into their popularity and it didn't like, it only lasted one more year and then Bud Adams fired bum Phillips but it was it was electrifying to win that game. It was a great game and then uh it was kind of like the first game here you know that game yeah. didn't mean anything to the playoffs up there. Uh, the Oilers went to the AFC Championship game for the second year in a row. But the, the electricity, the, the excitement on the part of the fans, and to put it in prime time, of course, makes it even better. And uh, this is NBC's game every Sunday night is the highest rated Show them television, Right. And uh, so the Texans are going to be playing in the highest rated show. And the fact it's Cowboys, it makes it even more. And I've told you this story, and i got to tell it again because it's so appropriate. At the end of that game uh, in 2002, I went down to the sideline with about five minutes left, right outside the tunnel, and Bob McNair and Chuck Watson, who was one of his minority partners, the one that had the biggest stake, they're there, and I stood between them and – and looked, we looked across the field. And there's Jerry Jones bent over with hands on both knees. Dave Campo, their coach, bent over, hands on both knees. And Chuck goes, this is the biggest thing in Texas since the Alamo. <laughs> so we're standing there, and the fans behind us started chanting, thank you, Bob, thank you, Bob. And it started to spread. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. And it got louder. And I looked at McNair, and I said, you hear that? And he nodded, and I said, what does it feel like to have the fans doing that? He started getting tears in his eyes. And I looked at Chuck, and he had tears in his eyes, and I started feeling tears in my eyes. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to have this. (laughs) And then here comes a bunch of TV stations with their cameras, and I said, guys, i got to get out of here. I can't let these guys shoot me teary-eyed, so I took off. But that moment, hearing those fans chant, thank you, Bob. I just can't imagine a better feeling for Bob McNair because nobody, nobody was interested in bringing a team to Houston other than McNair.
0: And he made it happen, and what a great first game it was against the Dallas Cowboys. This is only their third ever visit to NRG Stadium, so that's going to be cool. I mean, you have them here in your place. They were here in 2010. That did not go well, and now they're here again. So before we get back into that, and I think to answer your question earlier – yeah, the AFC South games are more important. But look at this. The conversation we're having right now, these are the conversations around town about this particular contest. Yes, it goes are. beyond football, beyond the X's and O's of this particular outing. It's about Dallas versus Houston.
1: The 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 people in the Metroplex, they don't acknowledge there's a team here. But they they consider themselves like a Ferrari. And the Texans are like a Volkswagen. But, boy, if that Volkswagen beats you in a race, you don't want that Volkswagen to beat you. <laughs> but if it does, you're embarrassed. You're the elitist. You know, you're you're the America's team. And so that's why right now they don't really care. But if they lose this game, they're going to care.
0: Oh, they're going to care a lot. Well, what do you think, though, going in here, John? Obviously, Elliott is the big focus for the Dallas Cowboys this is almost old school running back stuff where he's the guy I mean Dak Prescott's a good quarterback I know he's had some ups and downs they went nine and seven last year with him Elliott didn't play as much but Elliott is so much a part of their offense more than any other non-quarterback player in the league now percentage wise
1: I picked them to win the division and people thought I was nuts yeah, you, you did, picked didn't Philadelphia you? to win the d- Philly's gonna win it and the re- and I said that Ezekiel Elliott would lead the league in rushing again. They would play old-fashioned football. They would run, run, and run some more buying the best offensive line in the league. Now, they've had Travis Frederick. I mean, yeah, what's his first name? Travis. Travis Frederick. He's out for the year with that. that uh, I can't pronounce it. And uh, hopefully he'll be able to come back. And they've had other injuries. And it's not Dak Prescott's fault that they haven't given him receivers and tight ends, but they have a great running back. He's coming off a career high, 88 yards receiving, 240 yards from scrimmage, and the Texans have to contain him. If he runs a lot, it's not going to be a blowout. You are not going to throw for 464 yards. So when you run a lot, you're going to play a lot of close games. And even though Ezekiel Elliott came off his best game and Dak Prescott – had not thrown but one pass of 30 yards, and he threw three or four against the Lions, they still had to go to a winning field goal at the end to beat the Lions at AT&T Stadium. So I'm the wrong guy to ask the question that you asked because I picked the Texans to beat the Titans and beat the Giants, and I was wrong. Then I picked them to lose to the Colts, mm-hmm. and I was wrong. So I figured, yeah, I'm going to pick them to lose to the Cowboys too.
0: Okay. Well, it but often works out well when you do that. Win. Should, Texans win. <laughs>
1: should win this game.
0: You're at home. Now, what did you make of the performance now that it's in the rearview mirror, the win over Indianapolis? When you had the lead, you lost the lead, but you're able to eke it out. You're able to come from behind in overtime, get a couple of stops on defense, well, one resulting in a field goal, one resulting in that fourth down stop. Great
1: play by Jonathan Joseph.
0: And you're able to get the field goal off, and that was actually a very big chore for them a couple of weeks before that. So Obviously, they're making progress, but is it in time to make a run?
1: The Texans have been behind in every game, including Indianapolis. Then they come storming back to go up 28-10, and I think they're going to blow them out. Mm. They're finally going to play the way they're supposed to. And then Andrew Luck – The sore arm, not being able to throw the ball down the field, Andrew Luck we'd heard about, 4.1 average per attempt the game before, five-yard average per attempt for the season, comes out throwing down the field to T.Y. Hilton, 464 yards and four touchdowns. He's back like J.J. Watt. He's back. That's good for the division. It's good for football. And I felt bad for Frank Wright, a little bit, not a lot, considering what I saw him do to the Oilers. (laughs) <laughs> after the 92 season, and but uh, he got universal praise for the decision with ex-players on NFL Network, NFL.com, and ESPN, but the mm-hmm. fans and media killed him, because a tie is better than a loss, Right. but I guess he figures they're not going to the playoffs, he's trying to instill an attitude, Andrew Luck said, let's go for it, Luck was hot, but he didn't have T.Y. Hilton, and Jonathan Joseph made a big play, and then... You know, almost lost over that was Deshaun Watson led two scoring drives in overtime. Yeah. You don't see that a lot.
0: Yeah, no, He in those situations, John, I have utter confidence in him. I know it didn't work out against Tennessee late, but I have utter confidence in him keeping his calm. He's done it before at a high level in college. He's put up a lot of points in this league. I, I loved seeing him do that to a team on the road, a team that was so desperate to win, just like the Texans.
1: some great things on the Internet right now. And number one is you have to throw the ball. Uh, you can't work on the running game in the off season because of the rules. The linemen right. can't work because of the rules. But what you can do is have the quarterback throwing to his receivers and tight ends. You can All the do time. that a lot. So the smart teams now are throwing more on first down. The rules have changed to help the offense. TV ratings are up because you have record numbers at this point through four games you have record numbers of touchdown, yards, uh, quarterback rating, everything you can do offensively. You've got these young guns I wrote about this week. Nine of the 11 quarterbacks taken in the first round of the last three drafts are starting. The only ones that aren't Paxton Lynch, who's out of football, and then Lamar Jackson, who's playing behind Joe Flacco. But these guys like Goff and Watson and Mahomes and Trubisky. My, and and you got to trade up to get them unless you got the first pick. Every one of those guys – other than Goff and Mayfield, who were the first picks overall, you have to trade up dearly. So at the time, the media go, Oh, my God, I can't believe that you were trading that many picks. You think anybody regrets Wentz, Trubisky? What right. the Chiefs paid? Remember, Chiefs paid like a 3 and a 4 and a 1. Yep. And then looking back, for Rick Smith to swap ones and only give up 1-1 one, one for Watson?
0: That was a good deal.
1: That's a good deal. And so... Uh, it's so exciting to watch right now. That's why I think Dak Prescott, they are 17-4 and four when he throws for just 200 yards. And the Texans, of course, the way it's almost guaranteed to win is to lead at halftime because Bill O'Brien has the best winning percentage when his team leads at halftime over any other team in the league, New England second.
0: And they actually lost the lead last week but got it back. Lost it by three points in overtime. That's it.
1: I think this game is going to be a classic case of – Old fashioned running game versus uh, the Texans with Watson. Is there anybody we want to have the ball in their hands? It wouldn't bother me if they never hand it off and just let Watson throw all the time, kind of like they're tall it Big 12 football. That's what the NFL is now Big 12 football.
0: And it's exciting. It is exciting. But even in the Big 12, even Texas Tech would hand off and run, you know, those good crash teams. on draw
1: plays when
0: DBs were retreating, linebackers yeah. were
1: retreating into coverage. They'd
0: punch holes through. They'd it find a way. It reminds me,
1: Mark, of the run and shoot. The Oilers always had when Warren Moon, Bruce Matthews, and Mike Munchak were here, we'd have a 1,000-yard rusher. All the yards were on draw plays because the, the defense would just retreat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's what we're coming to. And so I, I think uh, I think Watson's going to get better and better. And I know some of the sacks a pace for sixty eight, a pace for hundred and seventy two hits beyond the sixty eight, that will slow down.
0: He knows that he's doing it.
1: He does, and you know there were twice in that game, and I I heard one with Andre going throw it, throw it, yeah. throw it, and we're up there, throw it, throw, boom. Yep. And uh, he doesn't. Shy. It's like he told us. I don't shy away from that. Well, sometimes you got to.
0: Yeah, you got to know.
1: And uh, but watching him after what we saw of Kiki Q T, the idea of having Hopkins Q T and Fuller together is there a better threesome in the NFL?
0: Backtracking a bit though, John, the overtime game the Texans played with the Colts—they used every second of overtime to win that contest. Are you okay with the overtime rule right now? Ten minutes and the other team gets the ball if you get a field goal. i fine with that events. part.
1: I don't like the ten minutes. You know, we've already had twice right. as many overtimes as last year. I wish it was 15 minutes and use those same rules. And it's exciting. The, the part in and it, and we don't have to worry anymore about too many quarterbacks, uh, roughing the quarterbacks. Those were down Considerably mm-hmm. after the clarification, same way of leading in your with leading with the helmet, but it's just i don't know, I don't like the college overtime rule because you score too many times, they count the yard they count the statistics, which is crazy to me, so if you play five overtimes, you may have. And it might help you win the Heisman compared Ten to the that never did. Yeah, it's crazy. But, but uh, it's, everybody likes overtime better when your team wins, and nobody likes a tie.
0: Well, I know that it helped the Texans, no question, to have the rule where you get the ball back after the other team scores a field goal on their first possession. However, I don't like that rule still overall. I just think it should be sudden death the way it used to be. Forget about the 10 minutes. Just make it sudden death. These games will end, believe me. They will end. We're getting these two field goals. Each team gets a field goal that we play deeper into overtime. Texans had one of those in the Thanksgiving game in 2012 against Detroit and used up almost all of overtime. Against the Jacksonville Jaguars a couple of days earlier, four days earlier, they actually almost ran out of time in that overtime as well, and that was a 15-minute overtime. It's just strange how this is going.
1: I, I, they're always worried about 60 minutes. Right. Getting into that primetime schedule, which is the <laughs> highest rated prime time schedule of the week. Yep. But the extra five to make it fifteen. And uh, and it was always funny because when a team got the ball and scored and it's over, everybody's oh God, the overtime rule's so unfair. But statistically showed statistics showed that if you got it first, it was not a guarantee to win. More often than not the other team got the
0: ball. The the statistics were that the team that had the first possession would win more than the other team, but they wouldn't win it on that first possession necessarily. So they were actually punting sometimes, getting it back, then winning. Well, that's fine because they got two possessions, and they made a stop. They played special teams. The other team played well enough on D to get the ball. I'm fine with that. I think it should be sudden death. This is an easy solution to me. I was – fearing that the Colts were going to march right down the field to get a touchdown. When they got stopped for that field goal, I thought this is huge, obviously, and the Texans had a chance to win it on a touchdown, but they weren't able to do it at that particular point. A
1: guy dropped a pass for the Colts. What was his name? Johnson. Uh, Johnson.
0: Yeah, Longhorn.
1: The way Andrew Luck was throwing the ball, and I don't know if all of a sudden the Cowboys will come out throwing a lot considering the way the secondary has been just Mm. been torched by Eli Manning and Andrew Luck the last two weeks, or if they're going to continue to do what they do best, which is Ezekiel Elliott running and Zach Cunningham or the safety, whoever's going to have to cover him. Now the backfield is going to have their hands full. But um, the, the two things, this is something I'm writing about tomorrow. The victory, it's great, but you still got issues. Right, Watson getting hit so much in the coverage right now. You lose Kevin Johnson, Aaron Colvin. People always complain about Kevin. Kevin looked pretty good back here right now, wouldn't he? And then you got Sharice Wright signed off the street playing a lot. And now you're going to get uh, Kayvon Webster who blew out his Achilles last year. and He's going to play quite a bit, but he's he sub when you have an Achilles, Mark, and you've seen this, those guys subconsciously I'm not sure. Everybody's different. Deontay Foreman's going to have this, too. They've got to get over the fact that they're, they are They got to get over the fact and know they're all the way back. Right. And so Webster, you hope that if he's in there, they don't go right after him because he needs to run and cut, break up a pass, and remember, hey, that's the way I played for Wade Phillips and the Rams and the Broncos.
0: Yeah, he did play at a high level, too. So let's hope he can get back to that. Quickly. All right, let's go around the league a little bit. The Patriots and the Colts. The Colts with that ugly trip to New England. I, I mean, predict that's...
1: the Patriots are going to beat them by 20. Yeah. Colts got a short week. They still got a lot of injuries. It's awful. And the Patriots, want to, they're tired of people acting like they should be written off.
0: What about the Titans going to the Bills? Give the Bills a snowball's chance here? No,
1: the Titans play 5-7 of seven on the road. That's why this game is so important to the Texans. If they beat the Cowboys, they'll beat the Bills and be 3-3 going to Jacksonville. Jacksonville could lose at Kansas City Sunday, yeah. and that means the Texans a good chance, have a chance to tie the Jaguars. And with the Titans playing 5-7 of seven on the road, this is the time to make a move on them. Playing 3 of your first 4 on the road, I think it's three of next four at home. Yeah. You gotta take advantage of this right. and starting right now with the Cowboys.
0: All right. So but you don't have much faith in the Bills pulling it out against no. the Titans. No. All right. Jaguars at Chiefs, let's talk about it here. Oof, what a game. Yeah, Mahomes is unbelievable. I mean we've all seen him. He's absolutely incredible. I don't know how long that lasts. I mean, I think he's going to play very well throughout his career based on what he's done so far. He can't just go through the year without an interception. Although, you know, <laughs> Nick Foles threw two in his, what, rookie year with the Philadelphia No, Eagles? it wasn't a rookie. It was his second year, once it upon a time? Chip
1: Kelly, had, he had 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. They went to the playoffs. An MVP-type year. He was the highest-rated quarterback. Number two, though, the number two quarterback through 52 touchdown passes, it was MVP, and that would have been Peyton Manning. Hmm. and uh, the the most remarkable thing about Mahomes in his 14 touchdowns or his left-handed throw, what you said, though, no interceptions. Yep. He has only made five starts in his NFL career, yeah. and he was always mobile at Tech, had a great arm. Everybody said he was a product of the system, but they've done a great coaching job with him, and he's not getting them beat, and it's funny. He's mobile, but he hasn't run nearly as much as Watson or Trubisky. I did a thing on – column on them this week about how – do you think those three teams are happy that they traded up to get them? They've all won. They've yeah. all got so many things going for them. And at some point, the Mahomes bubble is going to burst and he's going to have a bad game. And I don't know if it'll be at Arrowhead. Of course, Texans fans want the Chiefs to win.
0: Boy, there are a lot of intriguing games here in the AFC and some stories that are developing and you wonder – For instance, the Denver Broncos, they had a good shot at beating the Kansas City Chiefs, and now they've got to hit the road, and I'm not so sure how they're going to be when they visit the Jets. The Jets shouldn't be that difficult, but you are at their place. It's a long trip.
1: Jets have uh, stunk it up since they won that first game in Detroit. The Broncos have played three of four at home. All three of their – two of their wins were home, and they lost the Chiefs. Case Keenum is not playing nearly as well yet for the Broncos as he played for Minnesota. Minnesota has a losing record. It's too early, of course. Yep. But I wonder if there's anybody going, why, now why did we give Cousins all this guaranteed money mm-hmm. when well, we could have kept Keenum for a third of that? But I think Denver's going to bounce back and win.
0: All right. So you have the Steelers who are hosting the Falcons, and this is by no means uh, an easy game. This will be a Big 12 Pittsburgh. game. Yeah. Lots
1: of scoring. The last two games Atlanta's lost at home, they're giving up 36.3 points a game. And their defense is terrible.
0: They lost to the Bengals on that final play. Pittsburgh's defense
1: is terrible. I'm picking the Steelers, but uh, that'll be a fun one to watch because they'll be throwing it all over the place.
0: How good are the Ravens, John? They're going to visit the Browns.
1: Can Joe Flacco keep this up? Can they be so great at scoring touchdowns in a red zone? They were 100% last week. Then they go to Pittsburgh, and they win. Their defense is playing really well. Uh, Right now, it looks like it's going to come down to Baltimore and Cincinnati. I'm not ready to write off the Steelers, but they got the Le'Veon Bell issues. Antonio Brown's always involved in controversy. Roethlisberger's saying some things they don't like. Mike Tomlin looks like he's losing control. I think mm-hmm. uh, I picked Baltimore to win that game.
0: What's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals? Why are they so good this year?
1: They've been good early before. Andy Dalton is playing very well. And they've got a really good defensive line. Their receivers are good. Um, they had him, I don't. Joe Mixon's been hurt. Mm-hmm. But Dalton's not turned it over, and they're winning close games.
0: They have the Dolphins this weekend.
1: I, Miami was the team that I picked to have a losing record. They started 3-0. and I still didn't believe in them. I still don't. I think they'll lose to Cincinnati and uh, come back down to earth. Well, they already did at Gillette Stadium. But
0: uh, That the, one shocked me. I mean, I'm not saying Miami is a great team or anything, but how are you not ready for New England? You know New maybe England. Maybe they go there were ready, and that's the real Patriots
1: yeah. stepping up. Remember, the Patriots had lost two in a row on the road. Then yeah. they go back to Gillette Stadium, and we ought to know more than anybody about how hard it is for a team to win. It's there.
0: hard to play there. The Texans lost by a touchdown there I and, mean, and made self-inflicted errors to – well, aren't all errors like that? Self-inflicted wounds led to that one. The thing
1: about the last two Texans' losses, you'd like to see teams make big plays, go down the field. They beat you physically. They right. beat you on a touchdown pass or a run – you're not making mental errors and false starts and mm-hmm. penalties in the red zone and sacks in the red zone. That's why it's cliche, but the fact is you were there while I was there. The Texans beat themselves in Tennessee and against the Giants, and if they don't, they're going to be pretty good.
0: All right, what about the Raiders and the Chargers getting together Chargers, in Chargers, even
1: though it'll be all Raider fans there. Every time the Chargers play at home, I'm blown away by pictures on the Internet of the opposing fans taking over that 25,000-seat yep. stadium. You know there will probably be 24,000 Raider fans there and 1,000 Charger fans, but I'm still picking the Chargers.
0: Well, you know who visits there next year, the Texans. They had the Chargers here in 2016. That means they'll be at San Diego next year in that rotation with the AFC West, and you'll be playing well, in that stadium. Well, the traveling
1: Texans will buy out that stadium they, they just will. like everybody else. I'm actually
0: looking forward to calling a game in that stadium because it's so small. You know, you'll be, It'll be cozy. Be it'll easier be easier to get in
1: and out of. You don't have to fight as many fans.
0: It'll be cool to call an NFL game in a stadium that small. I haven't called an NFL game in a stadium of that size since the Hall of Fame game well, in don't 2002. Well,
1: why do you go over to the Dynamo and do a game over there? Well, because soccer. You'll, well, it's a soccer stadium they're playing in. Yeah. So you'll get used to a smaller mm, stadium with could. fewer fans if you go over and practice.
0: John, are the Eagles not very good this year? You just said you picked the Cowboys to win that division. So they're going through some pain. They have the Vikings in for a game this weekend.
1: You talk about a team not very good. Minnesota's great mm. defense that was number one over the Jaguars last year is not playing like it. They got problems, and it's not because of injuries, and I'm not really sure what it is, but the Eagles have lost both games on the road. I pick them to win this game over the Vikings, but Philadelphia is not a dominant team like it was last year.
0: What about the 49ers hosting the Cardinals? Don't want to spend too much time on this one. C.J.
1: Bethard played so much better than he did last year as a rookie. Yeah. I think they're going to win the Cardinals and under first-year coach Steve Wilkes, are averaging nine points a game.
0: You never gave your final thought on the Jags and the Chiefs. I'm going with the Chiefs because they're playing at home. All right. You don't believe in the Jags on the road here.
1: Uh, well, if I was going to pick them anywhere, it'd be Kansas City because they've, they've been – Andy Reid has been terrible in the playoffs – has two playoff wins, like last year, getting beaten on by Tennessee. Right. And people in Kansas City are, are holding their breath. They could be 16-0, and 0, but until they get to the playoffs and actually do something, they're going to be skeptical.
0: What's going on with the Redskins? I look at them, and it's interesting to me because, you know, you beat Arizona, big deal. They beat Green Bay. They lost to the Colts 21-9 to at home. killed at home by the Colts. Yeah, at home. Now they're going to be at New Orleans this week.
1: Yeah, the New Orleans is going to smack them around. New Orleans offense is number two in the NFL scoring-wise. They're number two the Rams, and it's close. Drew Brees is going to pass Peyton Manning for the most yardage in history, and it's going to be a big time in uh, party town.
0: All right, I had Brad Sham on the show, and I know you're not a Cowboy expert, although you pretty much are. I mean, you follow that team closely enough. You follow the whole league. I'm
1: an expert on the old days.
0: I asked him about Tony Romo and the Ring of Honor because I said, you know, when Romo retired, everybody was talking about, is he in the Hall of Fame? Is he a Hall of Famer? That was the question I thought. Well, I was asking, I was a Texas Sports Hall of Fame? Yeah, I was thinking, are we talking about the Ring of Honor? How about the Ring of Honor? I don't even know if he belongs in there. For them, I know he put up a lot of numbers, John, but did you see the Tony Romo football life? I thought it was really good. It was really good, and you know what I enjoyed about it? It highlights all the Cowboy failures throughout the Romo era. Ah, we blew this playoff game this way. We lost that playoff game that way. You know, Romo really, I I think he was a really good quarterback, and yes, the team should have, would have, could have been better around him, especially with the running game over the time, the length of his career, but... Brad Champ brought up the name I was thinking of, Danny White. Danny White is not in the ring of honor. He went to three NFC championship games in a row with that team. Three NFC championship games. Romo never got out of the divisional round. If Romo had gone to three NFC championship games, the Cowboy fans would be calling for a new wing in Canton for him.
1: He's very popular, and the fact that he's on TV with Jim Nance has enhanced his popularity. And I think Jimmy Johnson ought to be in there. But as somebody said, if Jerry Jones puts him in there, it puts the attention on Jimmy for doing what he did, when Jerry insists he was in charge making all those How decisions. How could
0: Jimmy Johnson not be on the ring of honor for the Dallas and, Cowboys? But I'm Ridiculous. happy for
1: Romo. And I think I believe that he'll be going into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. And... Uh, uh, uh,
0: Got to pick the right day so he can make it.
1: Yeah. And uh, let's see if I could say this on this show. There's mm-hmm. a chance... Mm-hmm that he could be going in with a receiver who used to play here.
0: Oh, ooh, that would be nice. Jabbar Gaffney. Just kidding, folks. John, Corey what he, Bradford. What do you have? Oh, Corey, Corey might be uh, might be there on Sunday night. We might say hello to Corey. And by say hello, I mean 72,000 people might say hello to Corey Bradford because it's, he had a huge role in that sure inaugural did. game. It's
1: going to be a fun night. I'm going – one of my oldest friends, Tony Peterson, who was editor of the Chronicle for years, put me on got me hired, put me on the oilers, moved up the ranks. Now he's the head of communications at SMU. He's coming down to sit with me and I told him we're gonna get over here about four hours early, wander around the parking lot, soak up the atmosphere. Nice. I can't wait for this game, Mark. I just I've been excited about it ever since the schedule came out.
0: What do you have going on in the chronicle, John?
1: Well, I'm writing for tomorrow about things they have to improve to win this game. Aaron Wilson has a story on a secondary for Friday and a big everything you want to know about Kiki QT uh, for Sunday. And uh, we'll have about eight people out there working on the game. Thank you very much.
0: Randy McElvoy was telling me they got these calls from Lufkin saying, everybody's pronouncing QT wrong. It's Kiki QT or whatever. And I said, no, oh. I've asked him personally. QT, yeah. You know, I mean, Omar, the PR people here, do a great job with the pronunciation guide. But I actually went out of my way to ask him because I was like, this still doesn't feel right based on the way it's spelled. But QT did say it's QT. It's like the I letters QT. I guy asked him
1: yesterday. And he said QT. Yeah,
0: you want to be right well, They need stuff.
1: to learn up in Lufkin how he pronounces his name.
0: I know. The only strange. name they
1: know how to play pronounce up there is Desk. Brian.
0: And the Panthers, of course. General, thank you very thank much. Thank you very much, Mark. Jerry Jones is a weekly guest on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Program director there, Gavin Spittle, who used to be at Sports Radio 610, our flagship station, of course. But the guys have Jerry on every week. And they asked Jerry about the rivalry, Houston versus Dallas, and in particular, the very first game these two teams ever played in 2002. Here's Jerry.
2: Houston's one of my favorite places in, in, uh, in the country. No one uh, worked or stood in hard on the table to uh, have the uh, Houston, Texas, return to Houston. As a matter of fact, I actually had the rights to the name Texans uh, when uh, Houston came, and uh, Bob McNair wanted the, that name, and I agreed to uh, uh, stand down, and, and uh, that'd be great if, if for him to call the Texans. He's one of the favorite people of mine in the NFL, Bob McNair. So all of that is a big plus, and it is like old home week when we go to Houston. And we have so many thousands of fans there. So uh, I really enjoy going out there and playing a football game. What I didn't enjoy about it in 202, I I was just uh, so sad that we'd lost that opening game for Houston. And uh, consequently, it's like... uh, uh, playing a relative or a brother or somebody like that, you want to beat them as bad as you do, uh, almost worse than anybody. So, I'd like to go down there and come out there to win, for all those reasons, but mainly because it'd give us three and two, and And uh, I have a lot of respect for them. I have a lot of respect for that quarterback, and we all know they've got some defensive players that are really phenomenal. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just going to be another game that uh, we're uh, Going to have to uh, be ready to go right down to the wire.
3: You didn't make Bob McNair trade or give up anything for his team name. You just let him have it and stood down like that?
2: Absolutely. I look back at some of the dumb things I've done, some of the weak weak sister things I've done, and uh, I'm just uh, I'm basically weak. I just uh, try to hide it.
0: Jerry Jones on 105.3, the fan in Dallas this week, talking about the game. So he says he owned the rights to the name Texans, and it makes sense because the Dallas Texans became the Kansas City Chiefs, so maybe that name stayed in Dallas and somehow the Cowboys owned it. Who knows? We'll find out more. I'll do some digging for you. How about this? You saw our video. If you haven't, you got it. John McLean mentioned it earlier. HoustonTexans.com has it. The 53. That's the video series we do on different Texans players and things. Well, the thing this time is the inaugural game. And you've heard the highlights before. The touchdown pass to Billy Miller. The sack by Seth Payne. Corey Bradford's touchdown catch, which was the second touchdown in team history. But to me, this might be the play of the game. And it was a play that was a penalty. I feel like John Harris now doing Texans' replay on Tuesday nights. It was a play that was a penalty, but it got the ball deep in Dallas territory. First play from scrimmage as the Texans went on the move through the air. Carr looks it over. Drops back in the pocket. David throws long. Right sideline. Pass interference called. Corey Bradford, the intended receiver. Double coverage. The Texans are going to get the ball. Deep in Dallas territory. A couple of plays later, the Texans are in the end zone, and with the first touchdown in team history, eventually that game would be tied, but the Texans would get the Bradford touchdown later in the second half, and then the big sack by Seth Payne and Gary Walker to put the icing on it, 19-10 inaugural game. Now, I asked Brad Sham this week, voice of the Cowboys, about the rivalry. What did he have to say about Houston versus Dallas and the way the Dallas people think of this game?
3: Transcending football having nothing to do with it, but having everything to do with it. And, and I say this as objectively and lovingly as I can. And I'm not talking about the Cowboys. I'm not talking about the city, the area. There's an arrogance to Dallas. It's new money. It's Tech Schramm, when he ran this franchise, was accused of being arrogant. And he said, you're damn right I am, and I intend to be. And And he wanted to have a team that he could be arrogant about, and a franchise that he could be arrogant about. And they had a lot of winning when the Oilers weren't getting the same kind of notice. And I think based on years of doing, I've done a lot of college sporting events and and professional sporting events besides NFL games in Houston. I I think that for whatever reason, I'm not saying I, I do not, I don't endorse or claim this as my attitude. I do I do say this is my opinion of the attitude. Um, in Houston, they don't like Dallas. They don't like anything about Dallas, and they especially don't like the Cowboys, and it's a big, flipping deal. If a WNBA team beats the Dallas WNBA team, <laughs> and if the Texans beat the Cowboys, that's a big deal. And in Dallas, yeah, whatever. Who are we playing? Cincinnati? Oh, Houston? Okay. That's I mean, just how they are, not the club, not the team, but the people. Mm-hmm. That's, a, to me, a sociological fact of life in our state. And um I don't I don't endorse it. I can't explain it. I just think that's how it is.
0: Brad Sham, the voice of the Cowboys on the rivalry. It's always great to visit with Brad. I don't like the Cowboys, but I really do like Brad, an awful lot. And I do like Houston Methodist minutes now. Let's catch up with Dr. Tejal Patel of Houston Methodist. Doctor, how are you?
4: Pretty good. How are you?
0: Doing very well. Getting ready for the big game Sunday, and it's Pink Ribbon Day, so it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I always see the statistics, Doctor, and it's frightening. One in eight women in the U.S. will develop some form of breast cancer in her lifetime. Are these numbers going up over time? More people are getting breast cancer?
4: No, actually, um, initially in, you know, with the advent of mammography when it first started in 1960s, we saw that the rates of cancer were going up. But since 2003, the rates of breast cancer have actually steadily gone down, probably because less women are using hormone replacement therapy. Um, and there's some lifestyle changes as well. So, um, that number has stayed pretty constant. This one in eight number. And we call them average risk. So there are some women out there that may have a mother, sister, aunt with breast cancer, and their risk of developing breast cancer is actually higher than that.
0: How often should women get examined, get checked out to make sure that nothing is developing?
4: Yeah, it's a very good question. So um, in general, most women do see their primary care and have breast exams once a year. There is a little bit of controversy about the age that everyone has to start mammograms, but generally there is a consensus that at age 40, there should be a discussion about starting mammogram and the risk and the benefits of starting a mammogram uh, with the um, primary physician. And at 45, everyone um, should be starting the mammography once a year.
0: Are self-examinations effective in finding out potential problems?
4: Yeah, so that's a very, very interesting question. So we, you know, we've advocated for self-breast exam for so long, but it turns out that, um, you know, when you look at statistics and when you do a a study on this, uh, they have found that self-breast exam um, can cause a lot more anxiety, um, can bring the patient in for a lot more lumps and bumps. Um, So for average risk patients currently, the guidelines are that self-breast exam is not necessary.
0: Great information, doctor. Thank you so much for joining us today.
4: No problem. Thank you so much.
0: Dr. Tejal Patel, Houston Methodist, has breast cancer centers in the Texas Medical Center, Sugarland, Willowbrook, West Houston, Baytown, the Woodlands, and Clear Lake. To learn more, log on to HoustonMethodist.org the official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist, leading medicine. Hey, one more reminder for you. Sign up for Toro's Math Drills. If you're a teacher, Toro's Math Drills, presented by Conteco Phillips, is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. That's going to do it for the show. Great program tonight with the general, with all the comments from Jerry Jones and Brad Sham. Thanks for listening. Let's get it on. Sunday night, 720. Texans All Access back tomorrow at 6. Go Texans.